What's going on, Trophy Kids? We got a great one here for you. It is just the Nate Cook Show, though, today. We're going to get some more guests on we talk about in the show. But it's just me giving you the rundown, talking a little Dan Snyder, talking NBA playoffs slash how I would fix the NBA draft and tanking issue that they're facing. We're also going to talk about a little bit transfer portal woes and NIL. And we're wrapping it all up with an NFL free agency note. It's a good one. We thank you for your continued support. We love you. We hope you enjoy this. And let's go. Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is Friday, April 14th, and it's a solo show today, folks. You just got Nate on this one. Um, I got to get some more guests on. Um, we're going to have some more guests coming on here with the draft coming up. We'll get our senior annualist, Michael, back on the show, talk a little football shop, kind of do a recap of the whole free agency offseason, and then head into kind of some draft um, talk here coming up uh, in following weeks. Um, but I wanted to hop on, talk about some sporting news, give you some thoughts that I've been pondering over the last week or so um, about how to fix things like NBA taking. I've got a great idea. I'm going to give to the NBA free of charge this episode. Um, but there was enough going on in the sports world. I wanted to hop on, kind of talk about some things, give my thoughts, you know, drive my egotistical self here with this show, um, give the people what they want. Um, first things first, wicked wish, wicked Witch of the East is dead in Dan Snyder. He is, as announced yesterday, um, has a uh, in principle deal to sell the Washington Commanders. Finally, one of the worst, if not, yeah, I'm going to say it, the worst, in my opinion, owner that has ever existed. Um, well, maybe not ever existed, but at least in my lifetime. Um, I grew up in the D.C. area. I'm now out in Cincinnati, as many of you know. But Daniel Snyder is honestly just an absolute garbage owner, in my opinion. And he is, and it's the opinion of many, uh, many in the D.C. area and Commanders fans across the nation took a breath of relief, popped some champagne bottles, danced on his grave, um, because we're getting fresh blood into that organization. A historic organization, an organization that has honestly deserved better um, than what they have gotten from their ownership group. Uh, we'll hopefully get a new stadium, a new field to get off that just absolute quarterback cursed field that is um, right now the Commander Stadium. I don't know if this new ownership group is going to bring them back to their glory days. Um, their track record would suggest otherwise as of right now, but it's at least exciting nonetheless. You get a terrible owner out of the league. You get new blood into a historic um, franchise that does, well, doesn't have a brand name anymore now, but has recognition across the league um, in a division that, the NFL, quite honestly, is going to need to really get behind marketing-wise because it's arguably the best product they have going on that side of the NFL and the NFC. Um, so this is a huge, huge thing. I absolutely love it. Um, I, I cannot believe the day has finally come. I, you know, talking with so many of my friends who are fans of the club, literally none of them believe that this will be done until the day they see you know, a wet ink signature on the paperwork. Um, there's still some skepticism. This is going to fall through somehow. But um, I think there's some shock and awe 
as far as this being a done deal, but nonetheless, done deal. And that was kind of the big news in the NFL this week. Um, let's talk a little basketball, though. NBA, playing games. Hand up, love it. I love playing games. I love high-stake basketball where one team goes home in a one-game elimination. It's why they love the NCAA tournament. It's why I love the playing games in Dayton. The NBA has, you know, there's a lot of problems right now going on in the NBA. The product is certainly suffering. I think it's a, it's a bad time to be an investor in the NBA stock, metaphorically. Um, or to be an owner, and we'll talk about that. But the playing games were absolutely awesome, absolutely electric. DeMar Rosen's daughter, MVP of the playoffs, as every single person has pointed out. Going to be a nightmare situation going forward, though, for parents at games because every cute kid now is going to be screaming at their top of their lungs um, anytime they can try to time up a free throw. But honestly, fantastic. She cracked the code, the code that drunk college kids have been trying to figure out forever. We had that kid at Duke who popped up like a flower back in the day, the spinny boards, everything. Nope. All you need is an adorable kid trying to time the free throw perfectly and screaming in high pitch volume um, to put teams' brains in an absolute blender. Um, absolutely incredible. What a game. Zach Levine, too, by the way. The Chicago Bulls. If you're a Chicago Bulls fan, you have to be absolutely ecstatic. You went out and you paid this man. And this man said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and prove my worth here. Absolutely had himself a second half. Absolutely will helped will this team um, to the NBA playoffs. Um, signs what two hundred fifteen million dollar contract. Absolutely worth the pennies right now. Absolutely worth that. He comes out. He absolutely balls out. Shows you that that is money well spent. That is what you want as a fan. That's what you want as a franchise. That's what you want as an organization. Um, completely balled out in that game. DeMar Rosen played great. Like, the the Bulls were a really fun team, um, really kind of gritty team, which I love to see in basketball. Absolutely fantastic. And then on the other side of it, you had OKC, who is this kind of young, prosperous team. Um, you know, they're not really, I don't think, going to make a whole lot of noise here in the next round, um, but certainly a great sign for the future. Uh, another, you know, brand in basketball that I think – has a, a future here. They're a young, exciting team. Comes in, beats New Orleans, um, who Zion still, I tweeted that clip um, that we put together for for uh, our YouTube page and of him just how he basically, he's like, I don't want to come back until I'm feeling ready. And then in warm-ups, he is absolutely playing slam ball out there. Um, but the playing games, I love. I love the concept. I love high-stake basketball. I love that kind of one-and-done mentality. Now, in the playoffs, I do like the seven-game series, but I love that little edge here. And I think that's where my idea comes in to fix NBA tanking. It is clear, as many people have talked about, that NBA tanking is an absolute problem. Um, teams put together absolute garbage rosters to try to win the lottery, to get a player that can dramatically change the direction of your franchise because basketball out of all the major sports is the one sport where one player can absolutely turn you around in like a year um you know one player has so much control on the game yes it's a team sport but if we're like one player really changes the direction so tanking is a big thing here's my idea i'm giving this to adam silver the nba across the land to fix tanking draft playoff a draft playoff. That's what we have to do. Top, bottom teams. You take the bottom 10 teams. 
the top two of those bottom ten get a bye in the first round, single elimination. The winner of the tournament gets the first pick, and it goes in ascending order from there. So when you have two teams get knocked out at the same level, you just take whoever has the best record at that point. They get the higher pick, and you just filter through that way. And you go, well, Nate, why would the players want to play in this tournament? You could do it midseason. That would have more juice, I think. Well, you can't do it midseason. You go, Nate, why, why would the players want to play in this tournament? You put a big old prize pot at the end for a bonus, like a million-dollar per player bonus or a sliding scale based on how long they've been in the league, whatever. You put a big pot of money at the end. They now have an incentive to play well in this tournament and, and win this thing. You also have an incentive on the teams because they can't put together an absolute dog crap roster. Um, they have to put together something that's at least competent to try to win this tournament at the end of the season if their mindset is we want to tank for this. It creates an electric atmosphere at the end of the season where we get really good basketball. We can shorten maybe the season a little bit because players want it shortened a little bit to add to this tournament. It would be absolutely electric. We maybe run it you know, right before the NBA playoffs, like the week leading up, um, or right after, give them a little rest and break. I think this would be absolutely fantastic. Um, like, could you imagine? It's it's the shit show tournament. <laughs> it would be awesome. I mean, let's get an NBA draft tournament going for the lottery picks. That is my solution to sell tanking right there. Um, I would love to see it. I don't think a single person would not like to see it. Owners would love it. You're going to get a little bit better ratings. You're going to get people tuning in. You can't be completely bombed out because you want to be the, you know, best team out of that bottom 10. So you, or you want to be the best two teams out of that bottom 10. So you get a first round buy and have, you know, a little bit more control over your, your destiny. Maybe you even allow the first, the, the highest seeded team to pick their opponent coming out of like that first round. That even gives more incentive to be at least a little bit better and put together a competent basketball product and to try during the season. So you're not the worst team. Um, so that's my idea to fix the NBA draft and tanking process right there, folks. I'm giving it to you for free. Hope you enjoy it. Um, that is kind of what I got for it. Keeping on the basketball spectrum, let's talk a little college basketball because I think this has been the hottest topic as of right now. Uh, the transfer portal, it's been the hottest topic because of just the sheer amount of guys that are in the transfer portal. It feels like everybody's in the transfer portal. I heard a number this week that 20% of D1 basketball players are in the transfer portal, which I don't know if I'm going to assume go, you know, take a leap of faith that that is a higher number than normal given, you know, the era we're now in. I think the thing that was the most shocking is the types of players that went into the portal. I think most people would expect, okay, you know, the bottom tier of your team is probably going to enter the portal. Maybe, you know, that freshman who was promised a lot of minutes came in, didn't have a great season, didn't really play a lot, is going to go look at other opportunities, you know, over-promised, under-delivered by the coach type of deal. Those guys are going to enter the problem. But no, we have marquee, star, almost like you associate their name with the program type of guys leaving for the portal. First name that jumps off, Hunter Dickinson at Michigan. I mean, a guy like that entering the portal definitely sends a shockwave of like, whoa, what's going on here? Because that's a guy that when I think of Michigan basketball right now, that's who I think of. You're at a big, big name school, big brand school. The NIL money is, or NIL money has got to be there. Like you're a, a big fish in a big pond. 
you have the ability to play in one of the premier conferences and an opportunity. Yeah, the season didn't go as you wanted this season, but like you've got opportunities for next year to bring in a really good team and really go compete for a national championship, in my opinion. And then you got guys like Ryan Nimhart at, at Creighton, a team that, you know, when you look at it, a national championship contender team this season. Like, they absolutely had the ability. You know, it's a last-minute foul call at the end of the game to lose by a shot um, that knocks them out of the tournament. But they were certainly a team with that's coming into next season, returning an enormous amount of production. You have the core of that team coming back. And Ryan Nimhart, starting point guard, guy averaged 34 minutes a game, 12 points, four rebounds. Like, who knows what's going behind behind the scenes, but, like, that's a guy that historically you'd be like, all right, he's going to be back. We're bringing back our core. We're going to have the chance as long as we stay healthy and things kind of – we get a couple breaks. We're going to be competing for a Final Four National Championship next season. And now you lose him to the transfer portal. He's apparently going to Arizona. Um, and who knows what's going on behind the scenes. You know, th there could be stuff going on behind the scenes that, you know, maybe Doug McDermott stinks. You know, and he's been absolutely awful to Ryan Nimhart or something. I don't know. Like, who knows what went on behind the scenes? And I'm not here to, like, you know, kind of wring my hands at Ryan for making a decision that, that he believes is best for his future. But, like, a couple years ago, this would never have happened. And it creates – I think it's definitely better for the players, the error we're in. Obviously, it's a player error. I think the people that are losing out are sort of the fans. and But it's a double-edged sword because – I feel for the guys, Creighton fans because that's a team that you think is going to really break through next year because you're returning your core from a team that was a Final Four contender this year, like easily had the makeup of a Final Four team, potentially a national championship type of run. Um, they played well in the tournament. You're returning that production next year. Everything's kind of aligned. You're in a marquee market in the Big East, not necessarily your specific market but you're in the big east you've got access to a lot of great recruiting lanes especially around the eastern corridor you play in madison square garden for your or your conference championship you're gonna have broadcasted games like you're in a great spot you got warren buffett money there like as a fan you're feeling really good heading into next season and then boom your star point guard gone transferred um that sucks now on the other end of that sword the transfer portal is awesome because you have teams that can turn around in one year. They hit the portal hard. You look at Miami. How you look at my all monitor Xavier. The table was set by Travis Steele. He recruited a ton of great guys. But Sean Miller goes into the transfer portal, gets that missing link, which is Sule Boom, the point guard. And we're off like wildfire. Like, awesome season. Turns completely around. Make the tournament. You know, a really competitive team who unfortunately didn't show out for that Texas game. But, like... A great season. Enjoyed every moment of it because we hit the transfer portal. We got a key piece, and our season's turned around, and it looks much different than it had looked had we not been able to get Sule Boom. So the transfer portal is definitely a double-edged sword for the fans, but it does sort of suck, and I think we are, we're in the wild west of college basketball. Like, just pure and simple, the wild west of college basketball. And it sucks because there's no adults in the room at the NCAA, and that's why we're here. Like, it was very clear that anybody with ha two brain cells could have picked up before NIL that players should have had access to be able to make fun funds off their name, image, and likeness. Like, that was the most simple. Like, it shouldn't have had to go on to the Supreme Court. Like, when you are punishing kids for having YouTube channels and creating content on their own because they're student-athletes, 
you're a problem. And that we're here because the NCAA and even the conference commissioners screwed the pooch on this. They absolutely screwed the pooch on this. And they didn't allow for any form of leniency here. They didn't allow for any form of adaptation to the times. And now we're in the absolute wild, wild west where it's a great thing, I think, for players. I love that they can make money. I love that they're not tied down necessarily to their schools. I, I do think there should be some restrictions, and we'll talk about that. Um, but we're in the absolute wild, wild west. And people are going to get hurt. We've talked about this multiple times in the show. The fact that, you know, in the NBA, NFL, in these major league sports, you have certified agents that have to be registered with the league. You know, certified financial advisors. You don't have that in the NCAA. I would love those protections to be put into place. Like, because these kids are going to get agents. There are going to be people in control of their money that aren't qualified and take advantage of them. Like, that's going to happen in the coming years. We know it's happening. I can promise you I'd be willing to bet large sums of money that that's going to happen. We all know it instinctively. There's going to be some really horrible stories that come out of this. And there's going to be some really great stories about people bringing their family out of poverty because of their ability to play college sports. Um, and they didn't have NF, they weren't ever going to be NFL kind of guys or NBA kind of guys or, you know, whatever sport they're in. But they're good enough to be a star in college and build a brand. And that's going to help lift them. And it's incredible. And I love that. And I don't want that to be capped. But there needs to be some form of guardrails to help build in some protections here. And with the transfer portal, I think we've gone almost too far. The pendulum has swung too far. I have always thought, and I think it's fair to say what I'm about to say. This is how I would fix it. This is how I envision the transfer portal should have always been set up. I think this, I don't, I don't know if we can, you, you know, you kind of already opened Pandora's box. You can't really shut it at this point. I don't know, but this is how I would try to shut it. Coaches have always been able to leave. And I've always thought <clears throat> that if a coach that you committed to leaves, whether that be because he got fired or because he or she takes another job, um, a better opportunity or worse, however you view it, but takes another job, that kid should be able to leave with no restrictions. Go wherever they want. It does not matter. They committed to a coach in a school and a program based on that coach. That coach is no longer there for whatever reason. They should then be able to go wherever they want with no restrictions. They should be able to stay. Oh, there's the clock. <laughs> we should be able to stay or go regardless. Cut and dry. I also think kids should get a mulligan. You know, keep coaches honest. I think there's a lot of times prior to the transfer portal where coaches overpromised and underdelivered and lied to kids to get there. Or, you know, they're 18-year-old old kids. At 18, you don't make the best decisions. You know, you go to one place. It doesn't turn out to be what you thought it was. I think you should be able to get a mulligan and transfer without any restrictions. You shouldn't have to sit a year or pay a penalty or anything like that. You should be able to go. You get a mulligan. But after that, there is, I grew up in the era that, like, you start something, you finish it. You know, you, there should be sort of this, and I think it's going to end up happening with a lot of these NIL deals, is a lot of boosters are going to have these kids sign contracts, I assume, to stay a certain amount of years. They break that, there's going to be some form of financial penalty probably happening, and now we're talking about these kids being professional athletes, but I think that you should get one mulligan, transfer with no restrictions. After that, if you decide you want to transfer again, yeah, you got to sit out a year or something, I think, is totally reasonable and fair. Unless your coach leaves, then I think you always get, even if you've transferred once before, if you you know, you know go from Georgetown to Xavier and then Sean Miller gets canned, 
you should be able to then transfer to Villanova if you want. Or wherever, you know, like that's clear cut. Um, but I think right now the way we're headed, it's I think a lot of people are scared to say this is bad for basketball. I don't know if it's necessarily bad because, like I said, it's a double-edged sword. I think the real casualty is you're not going to have – I think if you're a mid-sized school, long gone are the days of watching a guy grow with your program for four years, his jersey getting hung in the banners, and a miracle run at the end. Those are gone, I think. I think if you're a large program, what we've seen is that you're not safe either. I mean, Michigan, Hunter Dickinson gone. Ryan Nimhart gone from what everybody's brain instinctively, we don't know behind the scenes, like I said, but like that is a perfect situation. It's a point guard, point guard friendly offense. You've got your core guys coming back to make another run at it. You're in a great spot and Ryan Nimhart's gone. Like, so nobody's safe. So I think... There will be guys who want to build their name at a school, want their jersey hung up in the banners, want to be associated with that school. But I think they're going to be a few a dozen at best. I think those days are sort of gone in college basketball if we continue on this trajectory. And that's a loss. Like, that is that is certainly a loss. Now, change is not always bad. Like I said, you know, this opens the possibility that if you had a really shit year last year and you don't have a great recruiting class, you can hit the portal hard, get some veteran guys in there that are, are good, solid basketball players, and your season can turn around like that next year. But I think a lot of the things that we love that make college basketball, college basketball, are going to be changing. And I do think there should be some guardrails in place. Now, that is not being anti-player, I don't think. I think it's just you know, there's a lot of aspects to it. And I do think there should be more freedom on the player's part. But, like, unlimited, and same thing with coaches and all that, but, like, unlimited, it just, I think we're going to get to a point if we keep going down this trajectory where it's like, all right, these kids are just going to sign contracts for, you know, 50 grand a year, 100 grand a year, 250,000 grand a year, million a year, whatever. And they're just going to become professional athletes. Like, it, it's just a minor league system. And then, you know, why am I going to class or whatever? It's just... The fundamentals are changing if we don't we don't sort of start talking this through as a, a collective. And I think, you know, for players, it's a double-edged sword, too. Like, I think there's a lot of guys that, you know, yeah, it's great to be able to go wherever. But there's also a lot of guys that are, like, every year are going to have to be like, hey, coach, what does my spot look like? Like, I committed to you. I'm busting my ass the best I can. Like, are you hitting the portal to replace me? Like, what? Like, I, I think it, it creates a lot of anxiety and doubt too in the system and I don't know that it necessarily creates for a you know mental health has become such a, a conscious part of our our like societal fabric at this point you know the grass isn't always greener on the other side there's a lot of doubt now as to is your position safe um, it's just a lot and I think you know the conversation will be evolving but yeah that's what I would like to see I would like to see a situation where the transfer portal is, you know, if your coach leaves, whether fired or gets another job, you can leave with no restrictions. You also get a mulligan. So you get one year where you can just transfer for whatever reason. Doesn't matter. No restrictions whatsoever. And then after that, yeah, you got to sit a year or there's there's some kind of like, you know, restriction in place there. With the only exception being your coach leaves. <laughs> um 
<clears throat> I, I think that's totally fair and reasonable. That's the, that's the system we should have had. Had we had that, I don't think we're in the position we are today. Had we allowed kids to make money off their name, I don't think we're in the wild, wild west and had we thought about this logically. But we don't have adults in the room at the NCAA. Plain and, f- plain and simple. There's no adults in the room. There's two. There's not two brain cells in the NCAA. Sort of like over at HBO. There's not two brain cells at Warner Brothers. HBO Max is just becoming Max. The most iconic brand in television, in entertainment, is just gone. Like, so many brands would give up their firstborn child to have the brand recognition that HBO is. HBO is synonymous with the highest quality products in entertainment. And they just say, no, we're, we're getting rid of... It's the Sean Parker scene from Facebook, like, get rid of the. But instead of that, they're getting rid of the most important part. It's like Facebook was just called the. <laughs> it's so stupid. What a bunch of idiots. Executives, high-level executives across the board, NCAA, Warner Brother, whatever. These people aren't smart, folks. They're lucky. They had connections. That's how they got there because we keep seeing decisions in modern day that are just the dumbest things I've ever seen. Um, so yeah, those are my thoughts on college basketball, um, wrap up at this point, just talking about my bucks, Devin white, that, that sent sort of some, some shockwaves through, I think the free agency market. If you're an NFL team looking for a old school linebacker, Devin white's awesome. I have no problem trying to trade him because he wants to be the highest paid linebacker, I think in the league and he can't cover like Levante David isn't there. This man's getting exposed left and right. I'm a Bucks fan. I love Devin White. I was so excited when we drafted him. He is the player that I thought we were going to get in the draft. He is electric. He is so freaking fast. He's a great run run linebacker. Great at getting pressure. But as far as coverage, not worth being paid the highest linebacker in the league. Type of money that he wants. Without Levante David covering up a lot of, of holes in that game, the linebacker core would get extremely exposed in the pass game and in the modern day that linebacker certainly has a role I mean look at Rokon Smith in Baltimore um you know I think the Eagles would be a great fit for him I think there are teams that Devin White makes a whole lot of sense for but with the Bucks being in the position they are I don't hate it I wish him nothing but the best I love the time we've had together Devin White like I said, I, I couldn't have been more excited the night we drafted him. I was so freaking happy jumping off my couch. He's been exactly what I was hoping to be in a football player. He's a fantastic linebacker. Had this been a decade earlier, he'd be the best linebacker in football, maybe. Um, But we're in a new era, and you got to be able to do both. And he's his weakness is coverage, and I don't want to pay. I don't want the Bucks to go out and break the bank for that because we have so many other needs in our sort of rebuild stage now. Um, so the team that gets Devin White, though, in a trade, if you're a team on the cusp of being able to compete for a Super Bowl and make a deep playoff run and you need to you know, beef up your defense a little bit, man, this is a move to make. Devin White is a baller, shot caller, get him for a year, see how it shakes out. Like, he's about it. Um, so great, great pickup there. All right, that'll do it for the show. Just a quick hitter. Just came on to give some thoughts. Little Nate time with the the Trophy Kid fan base. We really appreciate your support. Hopefully, you're checking out the badnewsstore.com. 
um, to check out our merch. We got some great merch in the store. We got some city collection. We got a lot of cool stuff up there. So, so check that out. Um, we appreciate your support. We love your support. Thank you so much uh, for continuing to come back and, and listen to me just ramble on. I'm going to get some guests on here so it's not just the Nate Cook 30-minute show. Um, the, we've got some fun things coming for the NFL draft and to kind of give you our thoughts on where the NFL is at. You know we're an NFL-based podcast. We're a football-based podcast. We got some good stuff for you. Um, we're going to have some hopefully some good betting tips here if you want to start to bet the draft a little bit. Um, starting to look at some futures and stuff like that. So we've <clears throat> got some great content coming up for you. We appreciate your your support. I'm very excited for these NBA playoffs. My Bruins and Celtics are absolutely... Oh, the Bruins, man. We didn't even talk about that. Holy hell. This team, if they can they can pull it off and win themselves Lord Stanley's Cup, greatest hockey team to ever take the ice. I, this has been an incredible season. I could not be happier that this is the season that Bergie's getting sent off in. I hope... We'll see how the playoffs shake out, but holy cow, up to this point, I mean, just electric, an absolute wagon. The worst nightmare of the league is here um, in the Bruins. So that'll be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it. Make sure you're checking out our socials at Trophy Kids Pod um, for some bets coming up here in the NBA playoffs and then NHL playoffs. We're going to have some great stuff for you there. And as always, peace.